Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who believes that LeBron James can lift up a semi-truck with his pinky finger. Brian Siegel, how you doing? I'm doing well. I, I was very thrown off by this intro. I don't know what you were going to say, but I don't know if I necessarily believe uh, that. But LeBron can do more things than the average person, for sure. Um, I definitely think that's a little wild. Uh, of course, got to bring in the third member of our podcast, uh, everyone's favorite contributor, Ben O'Brien. Ben, what do you think about this intro today? I mean, anytime you can implement LeBron James into a podcast, it, it's it's a benefit. Um, yeah. Because you're right, LeBron James does most things better than the average human being, except for be the GM of, a, of an NBA team. He's terrible at that. Absolutely terrible yeah. at that. Um, yeah. but everything well, else he's never really been a GM, if we're being honest. Like He's never been, you know, had that title, so I don't know if we could say that. No, we can we can absolutely say that without a doubt, that he is the worst GM of all time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far because he hasn't been given the title, so you know it is what it is there. But look, we have a very, very exciting episode um, today. We did earlier in the week. Trevor and I did a lovely interview with Coach Noah Barrison, doing a little NBA preview. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk a little bit college football because we had some exciting stuff happen yesterday uh, in Week Seven of college football. Of course, first up, we need to talk about Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, Trevor texted before the game in our group chat saying that Tennessee has a chance, and I said that's a pipe dream, and look where we are today. I look like a fool. Trevor, what do you think about the uh, the Tennessee upset? Yeah, you know, it, it happens. Sometimes, you you know, you look like a fool. I, I stuck my neck out there a little bit, although not really, because I didn't say, I didn't predict Tennessee was going to win. I just was like, they have a real chance. Like, it's going to be a close game, but Alabama will still end up pulling mm-hmm. it out. I want to point um, out my exact response. I, I I feel like I need to put myself on blast a little bit because <clears throat> my exact response to that was you're dumb. So I got to take this one on the chin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this game was really interesting. And I got that feeling like as I was watching pregame, just like seeing the crowd, seeing the stadium, I was like, you know what? I wonder if Tennessee might be able to pull this out. I don't know. And this was a, this was a very good game. Um, it exceeded all of my expectations for it. And I think that's kind of rare in college football, to be honest. I mean, I got to admit that over the past three or four years, I've been kind of down on college football. Like, I I keep trying to watch these big games over and over again. And there's so many times over the past, like, even when we were in college and, and since then, 2017, 2018, 2019, where you see so many instances of, like, a a huge matchup it's advertised this huge matchup it's like Alabama versus I don't know like LSU or like all of these huge matchups Ohio State versus Wisconsin and like Ohio State's ranked like third Wisconsin's like eight and it's like oh it'll be a great matchup and then Ohio State beats them by like 40 points and you're like this was supposed to be a great matchup like what happened like one team's ranked like third and one team's eighth the third ranked team should not be beating the eighth ranked team by 40 points that shouldn't be happening but there's been so many times where that's happened. We've, we've even seen that in the college football playoff a couple of years ago. Like, for instance, like the Alabama-Michigan State game where Alabama just like destroyed Michigan State. Like we've seen so many occurrences like that, and it, it shouldn't be happening, you know? Um, and this game yesterday was one example that we now have where we could be like, this is, like, this is exactly what we need. We need more of this. Tennessee was able to put together a really good game. I mean, they, they were in a rhythm offensively. Hendon Hooker had a phenomenal game, five touchdowns, one interception. Um, he did have the one turnover later in the game. But throughout, just he played really well. And I think Tennessee's offense, the way it's set up, 
um, for the college game, the up-tempo style. Um, I think on the broadcast they called it uh, like Fast and the Furious, which obviously drew me in. I was like, all right, even more reason to root for Tennessee. And they were in such a rhythm. And then there was one possession when Alabama had the ball. I think it was early. It was either late first quarter or early second quarter when Alabama was backed up, I think, inside their own 10 after a couple false start penalties. And you could just see how much the crowd was really affecting Bryce Young and, you know, like trying to get the snap off. Um, There was one play where uh, basically the snap was kind of bad and it fell in the end zone and it almost like went all the way in the back of the end zone for a safety. Bryce Young saved it and threw an incomplete pass. But um, that was just one example of how much this crowd truly affected um, Alabama. And that was another reason why Tennessee did win. It definitely helped. Um, but wins like this, again, they're, they're so big for college football. And, you know, I, I want to see more of them. I mean, I think yesterday we had a great day of upsets in general. Um, and I think that's a really good sign for college football. And I just hope that we can continue to see more, more parity like we did see yesterday. Because this is just one game. Um, we had some other games, you know, uh, yesterday where we had upsets. So really good day, in my opinion, for college football. One of the better ones um, I've seen in a while. I mean, I think we had a good, I think it was like week one or week two when we had a pretty good week as well. But this week really stood out as like one of the better college football weeks I can remember in a while, to be honest. Yeah, and we had a lot of great ranked matchups. You know, we had USC versus Utah, Utah taking the upset, TCU, Oklahoma State, TCU taking that upset, Syracuse, NC State, Syracuse getting that upset, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Kentucky had that upset. Um, So we had a lot of really, 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 really great ranked games. Uh, Ben, anything else you want to add on Alabama, Tennessee? I do want to touch on Michigan, Penn State. Uh, Won't be too long, but before we move fully on, uh, obviously big game for Tennessee. Anything you want to comment on? I mean, credit to Tennessee. I, I made it very clear last week that they were what I used to call Georgia, which was until they prove it, I'm never going to be a believer in them because Tennessee for years has been like, oh, they're they're ranked. Maybe like this is the team that's going to do it. That they they're number ten in the country. And then they you know they lose to Alabama by thirty, or they lose to Georgia by thirty, or they lose to a team they have no business losing to. Um, so they I mean, they finally got their marquee win that I think they've been looking for for a very long time, like multiple years in terms of their their organization. Um, it, it was it was exactly what a college football game should be like. If if someone from like Europe or something was like, "What is college football like?" That is one of the games I would show them because you have a hundred thousand people in a stadium. You have a fantastic game that's going back and forth. You have two very good teams, high level play. Um, and the outcome is the home team wins where you rush the field. And Trevor made a good point yesterday. I think it is an appropriate storming of the field. I do. And again, I'm not a big proponent of frequent storming of the field. But I think that is appropriate. I will allow it. Yes, you are a, a top six team at home, and there is very few circumstances where I feel like you it is justified for you to storm the field. But losing whatever it was 16 years in a row or 15 years in a row to Alabama, I will mm-hmm. justify storming the field. I will allow it to happen. Um, shout out to the people that, st- that stole the goalpost on this podcast. We do not endorse vandalism or theft of any kind, but that was awesome. Um, <laughs> it sounds almost like you are endorsing it. I'm, I'm not endorsing. I want to make that very clear that that here at the Small Bar Podcast, we do not endorse theft or vandalism of any time or uh-huh, at right. any time. But it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was just a cool thing to watch them basically go across the field, and then it's like, <laughs> all right, there's nowhere to go, and then they start going up the stands, and I'm like, well, they're stuck now. And then all of a sudden, the update is they're in the tunnel, and then the update is they're walking down the street, and then the update is they're throwing it in the in the river. Uh, just just. Exactly what college is. Like, if somebody's like, what, what is college like? I'd show them that video of you just have, like, 30, like, just mm-hmm. idiots that steal a goalpost and don't really know what to do with it. So they just kind of walk with it for a while. 
Um, but again, ben, like I, that, I like how you're. I like how you're like. I don't condone this, but I would definitely do it. <laughs> I would be there. <laughs> well, I mean, no comment. But anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> don't incriminate yourself. It was it was a perfect college football game. A perfect college football game in, in every sense. That that final kick was like the ugliest kick I've ever seen in my life. But it made it by like a couple yards. Um, so that nobody will ever remember how ugly that kick was. That dude's going to be a legend forever. I couldn't tell you his name, but I promise you everyone in the state of Tennessee knows his name. Um, fantastic game. Anytime you see Alabama lose, it's, it's a, it's a great day. And this was no different. Yeah. So quickly, I wanted to talk about Michigan Penn state. I, I don't remember if I said this on the podcast. I definitely said this to you guys. I thought Penn state stunk. Um, very surprised. They were all the, all the way ranked at 10. And I, I, I feel like that came to fruition. Michigan was a significantly better football team than Penn state. And I still, I understand Michigan's number five. They're seven and zero. Oh my god, that's so great. I I do think Michigan's good. I do not think they're great. I think they're nowhere near, you know, in Alabama, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, apparently, um, and Ohio State. Uh, I mean, Ohio State's gonna kill them probably. Uh, so I, I this was no surprise to me. I think I said this on the podcast. I don't really remember, uh, but it was a really good running day for Michigan. They had five hundred total yards or something, and four hundred on the ground or three fifty on the ground. They they were running all over Penn State. Um, so just wanted to quickly mention that, uh, and uh, the other thing I quickly wanted to mention, you know, a previous ranked team, Michigan State, uh, they did get a win, they're now three and four, um, so terrible program, no one should ever go to that college, that place is garbage. Anything <laughs> else you guys want to talk about college football related before we, we, uh, head into our little interview here? Yeah, well, so I think this is interesting, because after Tennessee beat Alabama yesterday, I, I thought of I thought of Michigan because I saw Michigan's, you know, demolition of Penn State. And I was looking, I was like, wait, is, is Michigan home against Ohio State or are they away? And I saw the game is in Columbus, which obviously sucks. That's a it's in Columbus that's a this d- disadvantage. Yeah. But I was thinking like with with how because by the way, like if that game yesterday was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama would have won it. Um, because I do think like the home field, like I think it played a part in Tennessee. Yeah, it matters. It matters. It definitely matters. I mean, there is a home field advantage in college football for sure. Unlike the NFL, I think NFL, it's, it's uh, very slim, but in college football, I think there's definitely an element of home field advantage. And in that Ohio State Michigan game, if, if it was in Ann Arbor, I would have been like, Hey, Brandon, I don't know. Like, don't you think there's at least a chance, but the game is in Columbus. So, uh, make, makes it a little bit more difficult. I would say. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think that game will be a, a blowout. I'm just going to be honest. Ohio State's so much better than Michigan. This is coming from a, a diehard Michigan fan. I, I just think it won't even be that close. Um, but I think we'll move on here. Uh, we'll switch on over to our interview with Noah. Like I said, this was uh, recorded a little bit earlier than today. Uh, still relevant. Nothing happened in between then that uh, you know was that big. We have the NBA starting Tuesday, right, Trevor? This coming Tuesday? Yes, sir. Yeah, so that this, I, I got to, to be on this interview. It was amazing. To hear from Coach Noah Bearson and Trevor, so we are going to go to that interview right now. All right, and of course, we're going to welcome in for our little interview today uh, a, a basketball specialist. Now, of course, Trevor, you know, you're our podcast specialist, but it's always nice to hear a different voice that isn't yours. Uh, so today, we're going to bring home one of my childhood friends. That is Coach Noah Bearson. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Weather's always bright in New Jersey, so I can't complain about anything ever. Yes, yes. In full transparency, we're recording this before our podcast on Sunday. It's a little early uh, interview. We, we, we had to fit Noah in. Noah's got a very busy schedule. So, Noah, we're so happy you're on. Um, and to talk about some hoops, obviously we have the NBA starting real soon. It's next Tuesday, right, Trevor? Next Tuesday? Yes, correct? sir. We are getting closer. Next Tuesday. Well, we're, we're very, very close here. We got a lot. We got everything's happening. Hockey just started. We got both footballs going. So, 
Um, it's gonna be exciting to get basketball in the mix. So Trevor, why don't where, where are we starting? Where where are we? Where's the starting point for the our NBA preview? Yeah, absolutely. The starting point, and that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, a good thing you mentioned that, Brandon, because you've been watching the Fast and the Furious movies. So you know we're gonna we're gonna have it. We're gonna be at the start. We're gonna have Rita Ora, who's gonna wave the flag, tell us to go in London, and we're gonna be off. So I think where we could start off today is I think we could start in the Eastern Conference. And I kind of want to just go through, you know, a couple of the teams that stand out the most, um, whether it's because of the drama that they may be involved in. Obviously, you got the Suns, you got the Celtics, um, maybe some like different acquisitions they have. Obviously, the Cavs, the Hawks, other teams made some big moves or even, you know, I'm just looking at like the over under wins from from uh, Las Vegas. And I'm just looking at it, it's like, man, that number that's like really, that's far off. I'm looking at the number and this could be a really good bet. So those are the things I'm looking at. And for me, if I'm looking in the East, the first team that I think I have to point out in, you know, maybe a little Cleveland bias, even though I am not a Cavs fan, but I have to start with the Cleveland Cavaliers because, you know, the Cavs, they made a big move to get one of my favorite players in the NBA, Donovan Mitchell. They brought him in. Um, obviously building off of that young core that they have. And Noah, I got to give you credit because I was listening to the podcast we did last year at this time when we were previewing the 2022 season. And I, and you said the Cavs should be building around the young core of Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. And it seems like they're doing that. And so far, so good for the Cavs. I really like where the Cavs are at. Um, so that's the first team I wanted to mention just because I think they have a really good shot here to take a little bit of a leap, um, get into maybe that four, five, six range. If the Cavs get a home playoff series, I really would not be surprised at all. I think with the depth that they have on this team, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley now coming in the second year could take a big leap. I could see them having a very good regular season. Um, but Noah, what, what do you think um, about this Cleveland Cavaliers team? Obviously this is, this is, Basically, the Cavs are all our closest hometown team. Well, going off that young core that I mentioned last year and that you just mentioned right now, you know, Derek, excuse me, Donovan Mitchell is also a part of that now. He's only, I don't know if he, I think he just turned 26. So their four main pieces are 26 and under, and they're all locked into long-term deals. Mobley's on his rookie contract. They just got Garland on a, um, they just signed him to his extension. Jerry Allen signed long-term last summer, and Donovan Mitchell is still in the midst of the rookie extension that he signed. So everything in Cleveland is pointing towards that they're going to be good and they're going to be good for the you know foreseeable future, especially with how much parity there is in the NBA. This is a perfect time for them to you know take a shot and and you know shoot their shot really. Um, their depth is going to be interesting, just because you look at that starting lineup. You obviously got the smaller backcourt in Garland and um, in Mitchell. You got the two bigs, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, who really allow the perimeter defense to kind of press up on the ball and, and you know, trust that those guys are going to get their back. And outside of those four, it's really going to be interesting. You know, I read that, you know, it could be Dean Wade getting the start. If they need more defense and shooting, it could be Lamar Stevens for defense, and it could be Karis LeVert for offense and playmaking. Obviously, Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade are a little bit more plus on defense than Karis LeVert is, but Karis LeVert is still 6'7", with, I, you know, somewhere between a 6'9 and a 6'11 wingspan, so he's still long. He's a playmaker. He can get Garland and Allen off the ball. But I, I really like this move for Cleveland better than I like the DeJounte Murray move for Atlanta. You know, talking about another team, I think that Garland and Mitchell fit much better together. Um, Trey Young is very ball-dominant compared to Darius Garland, where Darius Garland has shown he's comfortable to step off and 
and be an off the ball shooter and just kind of a spot up shooter. You've never really seen that from Trey Young. You know, uh, when he's out of the game, Bogdanovich, Bogdan Bogdanovich is their primary ball handler. But as soon as Young gets in the game, it's everyone spot up around Trey, run that spread pick and roll, throw it up top for Collins and uh, Capella or otherwise. He just floats it in. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize Dejounte Murray, especially. He's not a strong three-point shooter. He's a strong mid-range shooter, as anyone who comes out of San Antonio is. Um, but again, it's going to be very interesting to see how they use him and how they utilize that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last thing I'll mention on Cleveland is, you know, kind of Isaac Okoro's development. Um, I read a piece in Athletic earlier where it was a Cavs beat writer talking about how, like, you know, Okoro could be potentially contending for the starting small forward spot now. One hundred percent. I guess you could say you could argue maybe he's a little undersized. You know, he's six five. Although we're seeing more and more with lineups lately, where it doesn't matter as much. You know, we see small ball lineups more and more. So I think it's totally possible he could. Um, his shooting numbers are going to be a big factor. He's been. I've been seeing like he's working a lot on his three point shooting. So if if he can prove that he can be, you know, maybe a thirty eight percent, forty percent three-point shooter, um, that could be something that can really help the Cavs out a lot. And, um, yeah, I mean, Karis LeVert, Dean Wade, those are some other guys as well, like you mentioned. Um, I guess uh, I'll, I'll ask you, um, if you have one other team in the East, we kind of talked about the Cavs and the Hawks, uh, What what is another team that really stands out to you, Noah? I got a, I got a couple. I love, I love the Raptors. They're so intriguing with, outside of Fred VanVleet, you have four to five interchangeable forwards that can just go in and play. OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher, Precious Achua. I know I'm forgetting someone, but they are, they are so, so intriguing on the offensive end. Gary Trent Jr., just, just what they can do, how switchable their lineups are, how strong offensively. All of those long wings offensively are the set can all shoot at least 35% from three at a minimum. They can all defend like hell. I mean, the, the Raptors are, are absolutely in so intriguing in my opinion. I'm, I'm going to be watching them and I, I really want to see how the Hornets do once LaMelo ball comes back with Mark Williams. I, I love that fit from, for LaMelo and Terry Rozier. They've never had a a lob threat, a vertical threat like Mark Williams before. He's seven foot one. He's just he's just a big dude. And I mean, Mason Plumlee is a good spot holder until Williams does well um, or starts to really come into his own and own and settle into the pace of the NBA. But I'm very very intrigued to see how Lamelo Ball finally does with a true um, with a true lob threat in his second year as well as uh, I'm a, I, I'm a big fan of James Booknight. I'm he's silky smooth. His game, is, he has a great feel for the game. I'm excited to see uh, how he does this year, and I really hope he has another opportunity. And again, you just can't take your eyes away from the Nets. KD is one, one of the best offensive players this league's ever seen, and when he gets in takeover mode, it's on. It's just a matter of, you know, how are they going to hold up defensively, and, and can Kyrie Irving play more than half of the games this year? I mean, he's 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 an oddball. I mean, there's no better way to, to – to put it, he's got his own stuff going on, which is totally fine. But he's he's not re- he's not reliable anymore. Um, and you, you know, you don't know if you'll be able to depend on him for those late game situations, late late season situations. I mean, it's it's Kevin Durant's team, but I mean, when when that's the case, that's good for the that's good for the play at this point um, in the NBA. So it's it's going to be very exciting to see what happens there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, obviously, last year I picked them to win the title. That was a, obviously, that was not a good pick at all, um, as we saw. Now, part of it was injuries, part of it was, you know, just like uh, chemistry and stuff. But this year they come into the year and they're a huge question mark. I mean, I'm looking at their over under win total on Vegas Insider, they're at 50 and a half. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't touch it. Like I'm not. I'm not. I'll stay away. Like if you bet it, I think you're a little bit of a degenerate gambler. I, I just would not touch that. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets line. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention was with the 76ers. I mean, the 76ers. They have definitely. You know, they they made some improvements on paper. They definitely look to be a better team. You get PJ Tucker, D'Anthony Melton, Montrez Harrell. Um, and I am one of the biggest Tyrese Maxey fans, I think maybe on planet earth. I, I love Tyrese Maxey. So I'm interested to see how Philly does. But the one big thing that I wanted to kind of, I guess, go to is with James Harden. Is he finally, he, he says he's in shape. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm taking it seriously. I, this off season, I really got in shape. James Harden's finally prioritizing, uh, conditioning. It seems like Noah. So, I mean, I guess, what do you kind of think about Philly? Do you think... I mean, I mean, I don't know. We, I guess for me, I kind of think Milwaukee might be the favorite, but do you think Philly could challenge them or maybe even are there other teams that can maybe challenge Milwaukee in the East? Um, in my opinion, the number one seed in the East, I mean, it's, it's got to run through Milwaukee, like you said. I think that – I think the Heat are going to be a challenge. I think, you know, Cleveland is going to be a challenge, and I'm, I'm going to say, you know, Philly and Boston as well. Um. I, I believe in, in James Harden. I believe in all the in all the nonsense that you know he's get back in shape. I believe it from what I've seen. Um, and and like you said, I mean Philly's upgraded. I mean the the end goal in the East is is to take out Boston because they're de- the defending champs. But you know Giannis Antetokounmpo mm-hmm. is is um is the best player in that conference, not named Joel Embiid. So I think you know going off going back to that the. Uh, the Bucks and the Sixers have the two best players in the conference and April and May and June is, you know, more often than not the team, the best player is going to win. So I think it is going to come down to the Bucks and the Sixers. And, um, you know, I don't, it's, it's really going to come down to who has the better closer. Is it Chris Middleton with the Bucks or is James Harden going to finally break his long, you know, postseason drought because as good as Embiid is, you know, the the late postseason battle that those two teams are hoping for, it's it's going to be a two man game of Middleton Antetokounmpo versus Harden and Embiid, and it's going to be who can make the plays. And Chris Middleton has shown that he can make those championship level plays, and James Harden has shown that he's crumbled in the moment. So it's going to be can Harden not crumble? Because as easy as it is to just throw the ball down to Embiid and have him go one on one on Giannis, it's it's still a guards league, and and that's what it's got to be. It is still a guards league, and, and it's you know it's got to go through the guards. Yeah, and I think that point about, like, you know, James Harden, you know, he, he hasn't been the best playoff player. I think I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and Ryan Rossillo mentioned how, like, maybe it's finally time. Maybe Harden's due for a good playoff run. Like, maybe this is finally the time where Harden will be, you know, have a good playoff run. And, you know, it could be true. Who knows? I mean, I, I definitely think Philly's a really great team on paper, uh, for sure. And if they could put the pieces together... Uh, they might be able to take the East. Um, didn't even mention Boston, but uh, um, they're another team. Really good on paper. Malcolm Brogdon's their sixth man. Uh, that could be very interesting. Uh, but any other thoughts, uh, Noah, on the East before we move to the Western Conference? Um, you know, just keeping an eye out on those teams that are, um, 
you know, just keeping an eye out on the Bucks to see if they're healthy and just keeping an eye out on the Sixers to see if they're healthy. For the Bucks, everything lands, um, everything lands on Chris Middleton. You know, he's their closer. And, um, you know, it's hard to say that if Boston or if they're healthy, they beat Boston because obviously this, it's a league of what ifs. But, um, Chris Middleton's a difference maker in the playoffs and he's a championship level difference maker. So I think it's just going to be interesting to see how the Bucks progress. And I mean, the East, the NBA is in a great spot right now because there's very, there's a lot of parity and it's very wide open. And here we are in April talking about how the, uh, or excuse me, here we are in September talking about how good, you know, everything is, how good everything looks for the Bucks, how good everything looks for the, the Sixers. And yet it could be the Celtics, you know, repeating. It could be the Raptors breaking through. The Nets could be having a good year. Um, and you know, maybe Lonzo Ball plays for the Chicago Bulls, and and they get their uh they get their season back on track. So it's it's very um you know that's all I got in the East. It's gonna be interesting to watch the rookies play. Um, you know, I think Paolo Bancaro is gonna fit in well in Orlando. I think uh, I'm very excited to see Kate Cunningham take another year, another step forward this year. And you know, I'm just I'm just happy basketball's back because this Thursday night football game is just not it. It's not it. <laughs> it really isn't. As we are it. recording, I think we're recording at the perfect time because we do not have to sit through and suffer during this Bears yeah. and Commanders game. It's absolutely awful. So yeah, I'm I'm glad. Uh Brandon, just just if you have any questions, you could always jump I, in. I do actually, yes. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about, you know, we're we're still in the East here. Um so I I want to talk about the Knicks. And mm-hmm. I feel like the I mean the main reason is there's a lot of Knicks fans out there. But you know, the Knicks now seemingly have a lot of young talent. Oh, we have RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Obi Top, and they just got Jalen Brunson, uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, it seems like they have just this enormous roster of young talent. Do, do the Knicks have any hope of making it to the playoffs? Either of you think? Uh, no, let's, let's start with you. Here's the thing, right? You look at their roster, and the main question you got asked is, is Jalen Brunson enough to elevate that roster. And as good as Jalen Brunson is, as much money as they're giving him, the answer is no. The league is just, the rest of the teams in the East are just miles ahead of the Knicks. I can name you 10 teams right now. I can name you eight teams right now. You know, you got Milwaukee, you got the Bucks, you got the Sixers, you got the Celtics, you got the Cavs, you got the Bulls, the Heat. Did I say the Raptors already? Yeah, you like the Raptors. Uh, I don't I've know, heard you say I, the Raptors. Yeah, That's, the Raptors. I mean, there's just, there's so many teams, and you look at the overall roster of the Knicks. I mean, is outside of Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett. I mean, they gave him the big contract, but it's mostly based on potential in in steps he took last year that could lead to further steps following the mold of his players. Um, Julius Randle. I mean, is this this is a make or break year for him because if he doesn't have a good year this year, then that year he had 2021, that that's an anomaly. That All NBA year is an anomaly with him. I mean, Derrick Rose is now 30. 32 or something like that. He's 32 years old. He's he's been in the league 13 years. It's going to be his 14th year. Evan Fournier is good. He's not great. Quint, I mean, they're, they have a lot of hope on young guys, and Tom Thibodeau is not a young guy coach, and he's being put in a position where he's got to play the young guys. I think I think Obi Toppin can, can take a step forward. He showed he can, so I think they have a lot of hope there. I think Quentin Grimes is solid. Emmanuel Quickly's proven he, he can play. Miles McBride, they have a lot of hope on him, but the Again, I go back to, you look at this roster, you look at what they gave Jalen Brunson, they're giving him difference maker money. Jalen Brunson might be a difference maker, but he's not someone who's going to elevate this team to a contender status. They, 
they might make the play in, but don't be shocked if we're sitting here 12 months from now and New York has blown up their roster because what they're doing just is not it. They're, they're entering the yeah. danger zone of, of they're not good enough to compete, to be a contender, and they're not bad enough to bottom out. They're in the danger zone. Right. Yeah, I agree. Trevor, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I Earlier, I was kind of making like my rankings of the East. I ended up having the Knicks 10th in the East, which has, which has them at the last spot in the play-in. I think that's about where they are, and that's about where they were last year. They finished 11th at 37 and 45. Uh, their over/under, I believe, this year is 38 and a half, so it's it's very similar, and I think they're right around that range. On paper, they did get better compared to last year. The problem is five other teams got better, so it's like if you're running a race and you're like you know trying to play catch up, but all these other teams are like already ahead of you, and they're also you know making moves to make themselves better. It it makes it very difficult. I mean, I like R.J. Barrett, um, I like Jalen Brunson. Um, but you know, some of these other pieces they have like Julius Randle, as far as the way this team's constructed, I, I just, it doesn't really, it's not a good fit Julius Randle and, you know, and, and some of these other guys, I mean, he, you know, he's a kind of a one dimensional player. He's not really, um, you know, like you can think about guys who can fit into like any team, like a, say like a Macau Bridges for the Phoenix Suns or like a Clay Thompson. They can fit into like any, any team you put together, Julius Randle, it's a little more inflexible there it makes it tougher uh so yeah i think the knicks are limited and you know if we're you know as, as noah said could they blow it up when we get to february and march it's possible we're on the trade deadline uh it's definitely possible they could be looking to make a move this team isn't they're not gonna this team is consistently in buy now and trying to win now and that is essentially why they are just been bad and it, and julius randall is He's someone that he needs to be in the right situation to be able to plug and play, right? You look at someone like Clay Thompson and those Warriors, they can plug anybody into that system and they can succeed. Just look at Boogie Cousins coming off of that um, Achilles injury. He succeeded in that. He's not the same player. He wasn't the same player, but he was still able to find success. Julius Randle is being used as someone to, as a, um, as a franchise cornerstone. And he, he is a complimentary player. He's not someone that you can build mm-hmm. a scheme around him. If you're building a scheme around him, your guards got to be quick as hell. They got to be really good because they don't have any three men. It's just a lot of wings and, and guards. And they have a couple big men. And Julius Rand, what they're doing, Julius Randle is not going to sit outside and shoot, catching through, shoot threes. That's not his game. You need a pick <laughs> and pop center and Mitchell Robinson clogs the lane. They're, Teams are comfortable leaving R.J. Barrett. They brought in Evan Fournier to shoot those threes, but he's a negative on defense. I mean, they, their just overall construction is just just bad. I mean, there's just no way yeah. around it. It's like the Thursday night game. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's move on to the West now um, because the West, again, it's just like this is going to be a current theme. I might say it you know, five more times throughout this podcast. It seems like the league gets more talented every single year, and it's just like a never-ending cycle. Just like the talent that fills the youth, the youth programs in basketball. Noah, you see it. Like some of these fourteen-year-olds out here are just like their games on on the next level. Their skill set that they have—it's ridiculous. And I think you know the game is going to continue to evolve as we will as we will see. But the West. Um, you know, the West is very interesting. I mean, we have the Golden State Warriors who are, you know, they have their title defense. Obviously, they have a little bit of drama here. So I think that's the team I'll talk about first. I mean, we, you know, Draymond Green, he, he punched Jordan Poole. We all saw the video uh, we talked about on the podcast last week, um, you know, and, and that's going to be a thing that, 
you know, they'll have to deal with in the season. Will it be an issue during this season? I, I don't know if it'll be an issue on with how they play. I don't think it will, to be honest. Um, I think where it could be interesting is with contract talks um, next offseason, personally. Um, that would be kind of my bet. As far as on paper, they're still really good. You know, Clay Thompson came back in February, and, you know, obviously it's it's hard to get back to the fully strength Clay that we know that we saw, you know, in 2016, 17, 18, and, you know, those years. But now with a full offseason, you can argue that maybe he can get closer to that, right? I mean, Andrew Wiggins had a really good uh, finals in particular. Steph Curry just had his best finals performance of all time of that he's ever had, in my opinion. Um, you know, so I, I really like the team they have. Kevin Looney's pretty solid. Um, I think the one negative is that just with Draymond Green, we saw in the playoffs, at times his play did start to deteriorate. He became a little bit of a zero um, at times on offense just because, you know, he's not a scoring threat so you can sag off of him. And he wasn't really driving into the basket either. I remember back in the 2016-17 years, Draymond Green could still, like, drive past people. He could blow by people, get to the rim, dunk it, get a layup. He wasn't really doing that in the playoffs last year. Obviously, he's still a threat because of his IQ, his knowledge for the game. He can still find open guys, play the pick-and-roll curry. He could still do that, but he can't shoot the ball. Um, so that's the issue. Obviously, he's still really a defensive player as well. But the Warriors are really good. Um, so that's the main team that I want to point out first. Uh, but Noah, um, any, any thoughts on the Warriors? And then also, if you wanted to uh, talk about a team that stands out. Well, the fact of the matter is the Western Conference still 100% runs through the Warriors. And I think that they've given us no reason to um, to change our opinions on that. I mean, they, they still have uh, – Brandon might kill me for this comment, but is LeBron is, is far and away the second best player to ever play this game. It's him and Michael at the top, and, and there's that. But this is Steph Curry's era. Steph Curry is generational. He he proved after that finals MVP last year that he is a top 10 player of all time. Um, and, and and until that someone's able to, to, to find a way to make him a negative on the court, um, the West runs through the Warriors. I think they're going to figure it out because – Steph Curry's that team. Steph Curry's that culture, and they have young guys that are uh, young guys ready to take the reins for the older guys. Andre Iguodala, he's coming back strictly for the fact of you know they asked him to come back. He he's not going to play. I mean, he still has a little explosiveness explosiveness left. But you look at that roster: Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, and then you got Moses Moody, James Wiseman, and Jonathan Kaminga in the wings. Kaminga was exceptional in the regular season mm -hmm. last year was absolutely exceptional and had some moments in the series against Memphis when Gary Payton was out, he's going to take over that, you know, that combo forward role. James Weissman has looked incredible in this preseason. I mean, you know, just absolutely incredible. He's seven foot. He's a lob threat that Steph Curry has never really had in his career that the Warriors have never really had Curry and Draymond. They never had that. And then you look at Moses Moody. He's six, six, He's long. He can shoot the ball, and he played at a program in Arkansas that was used to, you know, all the change and all that. So he's used to some, you know, shit getting th stuff getting thrown together, and you know, having to do that. So I mean, he's those those three guys are everyone saying it, and it's true. They are the bridge between Curry Thompson and Green, and those three, and keeping the championship. And I haven't even mentioned Jordan Poole yet. Obviously, we're not in that locker room. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what was said. I don't think the contract will hold a big of a cloud over the team as much as everyone says, considering the fact that Joe Lacob has showed no hesitancy to just 
put a, an open checkbook down and pay the luxury tax bill. Obviously, it's not preferred, but with how much money the Warriors bring in, how successful they are, and just how pure dominant they are, I mean, they are just as dominant as, you know, they're they're not the 60s Celtics because, you know, they're not, you know, I, we could look back in five years and this could be completely wrong, but they haven't won, you know, 10, 9, 10 titles in 11 years, but they've won four and eight. They're the closest thing we've seen to, to those Celtics. They, the dynasty is still very much alive, and I would be absolutely shocked if they are not a top two seed in the West, and I would be even more shocked if they are not in the conference finals with a chance to play in the finals at the end of the season because the West still runs through them. Steph Curry is still a phenomenal talent. He's a top five player in the league. He's top three player in the league. And I mean, he's just he, – he's must-watch TV, especially at this point. Clay Thompson has a full offseason back of training. I mean – the young guys got that championship DNA now. So I'm like I said, I would be absolutely shocked if they are not playing um, it in late May with a chance to go to the finals and repeat. Absolutely shocked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree. Well, I mean, we'll make our predictions later. But I just think like Steph Curry's game, like it it, it just like evolves very well. Like he's 33, he's getting older, but his game is going to continue to evolve well because. It, it shooting is the number one skill that he possesses. Um, and he just continues to get smarter and smarter at the game. The way he thinks the game now is at a different level. I mean, there's just little things I picked up on during the finals that I don't think he was doing back in like 2015, 2016, the way he sees like certain passes um, defensively, like the way he plays on defense. I, I just don't know if he was always doing a couple, like just like minute little details that I kind of saw from Steph Curry. And he's, he was exceptional. Um, and I expect them to be very good again this season. Uh, next thing I kind of want to go to is, well, I kind of want to talk about both of these teams, I guess, together. Uh, it's the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets, and that's because these are both two teams that last year, you know, suffered big injuries to very important players. Obviously, the Clippers, their two best players, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and uh, the Denver Nuggets, obviously, with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., um, now, I think it's going to be really interesting to see both these teams will be very good. I think they'll both be in that, you know, top four, top five range for sure. Um, in particular, I really like this Denver Nuggets team uh, in the regular season. I mean, Jokic, looking at his career so far over the last, like, four years, they're pretty much guaranteed to win 48 at games at least, regardless of the roster. Last year, I think they won 48 or 49 games. So, you know, I, I don't know if Murray's starting from the jump. I don't think know if he's starting opening night but once he comes back with Michael Porter Jr. this roster will be better than it was last year and I expect Denver Nuggets to have a really regular season and you know Jokic continues to add things to his game he's getting better on defense so Denver's gonna be very interesting uh and then the Clippers as well obviously we know uh when Kawhi Leonard's healthy what he can do last time we saw him in the playoffs uh he put up 45 points against Dallas Mavericks you know, his offensive game has just reached new heights. And then Paul George obviously kind of got to show off a little bit uh, and play very well, um, kind of silence all the doubters um, through the playoffs as well once Kawhi, once Kawhi went down. And this team's very deep now. You could you could just go down and you could look at the Clippers depth chart. I don't have to go down the list, but they're very good. So I guess, Noah, what, what do you kind of think about these two teams and I guess if you had to pick of the Nuggets and the Clippers, which team do you think is more primed? Um, I mean, we talked about the Warriors maybe being the favorite. Which team, I guess, is more primed uh, to challenge them? 
So let's start with the Clippers, right? You look at some of the wings they have, right? Robert Covington, um, Amir Coffey, who played well in stretches last year, Nick Batum, Terrence Mann, Kawhi Leonard, Norman Powell, Paul George, Marcus Morris. They are so built for the postseason. And, you know, they're ready to they you know, they can – and Ty Lue one of the best tacticians in, in basketball, right? So so they have all of that. They have, you know, point guards been a weakness. They signed John Wall, and, my, and they have Jason Preston, who missed his whole rookie season with a foot injury. Who had a double double in the post in the preseason with ten rebounds and ten assists? They have him, <laughs> Brandon, my guy. They have Brandon Boston, who who's played well in spurts. Um, they they are built for the postseason, right? And this leads me into talking about you know the Denver Nuggets is the best team to realize that the regular season is for tinkering, right? The last time a, a team. Um, you know, really just went all out in the regular season and it worked out it was probably the 2015 Warriors when, you know, they were the one seed. They went 67 and 15 or 65 and 17, and then they beat Cleveland in six games in 2015. Since then, teams used the regular season to tinker, right? When Cleveland won the title in 2016, they were 58 and 24. When the Warriors won it in 2017, after they added Durant, they I think they won 60 games that year, but that's after you had Kevin Durant to a 73-win team. In yeah. 2018, the Warriors didn't even get the one seed. In 2019, the Raptors used the regular season. I mean, they, they were the best team in the regular season that year, but they it wasn't like they were um, – no, they were the number two seed that year. Milwaukee was the number one seed. You look in 2019-2020. You know, the Lakers had a year to get stuff together. And after they added Anthony Davis and, you know, the Warriors disbanded, they came together in 2021. The uh, the Bucks used the regular season to tinker with everything. And then in 2022, it, um, you know, the Suns were the best team and the Warriors just used the regular season. Right. So the the Denver Nuggets need to need to get to the point where they realize that the best teams use the regular season to adjust to correct their lineups, and to get everyone on the same page. In the end, like I said when we were talking about the Eastern Conference, right, the best teams left when you get into the dog days of May and June, the teams with the best players are usually the teams that win and can win in the two-man game. And Kawhi Leonard is a two-time Finals MVP that has proven he has takeover ability and can carry a team to, the, to a ring. And that's what he did in 2019 with Toronto. And that is why the Clippers are, have a better chance than the Nuggets to challenge the Warriors, because strictly because of Kawhi Leonard. And he's never had a number two like Paul George. And in year four, they are finally healthy together. And they finally, I mean, this is their real chance. I mean, this is their chance to challenge the Warriors. Both conferences are as wide open as, as they've been in years, right? No disrespect to Phoenix. Yeah, it's no disrespect to Phoenix at all, but but it is wide, wide open. Obviously, I've said it, and I'll continue to say it all year long until they give me a reason to not believe the, the West runs through the Warriors. But the Clippers are built. They have an exceptional wing talent in Kawhi Leonard. They have switchability in the postseason where they can go big with Iv- Ivaka Zubac, Ivica Zubac. Or they can go small and go five out with John Wall, Jason Preston, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Kawhi, PG, Batum. They got all that. And that's what it's going to take to beat the Warriors. And it takes an exceptional ball handler and guy who can take over in one-on-one moments. And the Clippers have that to go neck and neck with the Warriors. 
Yeah, I agree. I, th I think the Clippers are a bigger challenger um, in the postseason to the Warriors. Um, but like I said, I think the Nuggets will have a better regular season record. We'll see if, uh, but maybe not. Maybe maybe they'll take your advice, Noah, and they'll, they'll decide to really tinker with different lineups and stuff. Um, but I guess I kind of wanted to, unless Brandon, you had any questions, I kind of wanted to go to the next segment. I, um, I have here. a comment. Yeah. I have a comment. There was something, I heard someone here say something really stupid about LeBron James not being the best player of all time <laughs> currently in the NBA. I just feel like it shouldn't be glossed over how just incredibly dumb of a comment that is. I don't remember who said it. I don't want to insult anyone on this podcast today. Um, but it was really stupid, and I just think that you should both know that. Brandon. Um, but you can keep on going. Can I tell you where I have LeBron ranked in my player rankings that I've been working on? I mean, there's only one acceptable answer. I have him number seven currently. That number is, seven. Is, do you, do you, <laughs> if you put him one, I would say that's too low. All right. I think one is too low for him. All right, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to move on. I want to get to this next segment. Obviously, you know, it's we could, we could talk for hours, but I want to get to this next se segment. And, you know, you stream, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have all these different streaming sites. A lot of them have like a, a watch list or something where it's like, okay, this movie just came out. I really want to watch it. Like Top Gun, right? Brandon and Ben, they were heckling me for months. You got to go watch Top Gun. Mm -hmm. uh, that's at the top of my watch list. I got to go watch Top Gun. Everyone says it's so good. It's getting amazing reviews. So we're going to do a version of that with the NBA. Um, Noah and I at least are going to, we're going to point out four teams each. Um, two from the Eastern Conference and two from the Western Conference. So uh, we're going to talk about eight teams total. And, you know, some of these teams we already talked about, right? Um, so it's, you know, some teams we might go quicker than others. But, Noah, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor first with the first team. Um, you can give me uh, any team you want. I guess we'll start with the Eastern Conference. Give me one team that is on your watch list in the Eastern Conference. The Charlotte Hornets. With ease. I, I watched a lot of them last year. I love watching LaMelo Ball. And I love watching Terry Rozier. I love watching, um, and I'm going to be excited to watch how Mark Williams fits in and if he's finally able to get onto the court. Um, but I'm actually going to change my answer. I'm going to take two, and I'm going to take Cleveland because they're going to be really fun to watch. So I know I just kind of broke the rules, but I'm the guest, and I get to do what I want. <laughs> no, but you you get two. No, you any, do. You do. You get two anyway. So that's well, all good. Well, I still so, want a Western Conference team. So we'll give you. So basically, we're going to do four teams I'm, each. I'm, so I'm changing, two I'm changing, east. I'm changing. Okay. All right. I was going to say I'm just changing the. No, Cavs. no, no, no. Change the rules. <laughs> change the rules. It's okay. Go, go ahead. Do your thing. All right. I'm taking the Cavs. So we, yeah, we each get two teams <laughs> each. That's it. The Cavs. Okay. So out Cavs and Pacers. So out of the East, Noah's going with the Cavs and Pacers, or not the Pacers. What? The Hornets, no, the no, Pacers were a team that I, I was looking at. I just want the Cavs. <laughs> okay. I like this segment. This has been my favorite segment. <laughs> okay, this has been a great so, segment so far. So for me, I mean, the Cavs were also on my list, but I'm not going to mention them because Noah did. Um, I'm going to start team. out with the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons, I am absolutely so excited to watch them. I mean, Cade Cunningham. I am one of the biggest believers in Kate Cunningham. I loved him coming out of Oklahoma State. Loved him. Well, most people did. He was the number one pick. But anyway, coming into his second year now, I think Cade Cunningham is primed for a big jump uh, as a great creator, really good scorer. Um, before we got on, I was watching a few clips from the preseason game they have tonight against Memphis. Uh, you know, he looks pretty good. So I like Detroit, obviously. The explosion of bringing in Jaden Ivey. Um, I really like what the Pistons are doing. And, you know... If the Pistons somehow sneak into the play-in, 
I wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked. So the Pistons, they're my first selection. Um, number two in the East, I'm going to go with a team you mentioned earlier, Noah. It's the Toronto Raptors. And I say the Toronto Raptors because I didn't watch the Toronto Raptors enough last year. Really, shame on me because I didn't get to see Scotty Barnes play a lot last year. I didn't get to watch them enough. Uh, they were one of the teams that was a little bit of a blind spot. So I'm making a commitment right now on this podcast. I'm going to watch the Toronto Raptors a lot because they have a really good team. They have a really fun roster. Scotty Barnes mm-hmm. going into his second year. Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, uh, all these guys that they have. It's just such an... You know, a very interesting. It's always a tough team that the Raptors have, and they play. They're very well coached, very smart. So the Raptors, second team on my watch list in the East. So those are our four teams in the East: the Cavs, the Raptors, the Hornets, and the Pistons. Uh, Brandon, do you have a team? This is kind of you know off the off the cuff here. Do you have a mm-hmm. team in the East here that is on your watch list? Uh, not the East, the West I do, though, the Los Angeles Lakers. And, it, it, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> Ultimately, they have the greatest player of all time, the greatest athlete of all time, LeBron, Raymond James. I'm interested to watch him. Now, now, I'll answer the actual question. The East, I think if I had to put, pinpoint one team, it's kind of boring, but I'd pick the Cavs. Um, you know, the, this, you know, with Donovan Mitchell being on the team, Mobley and Garland being so fun to watch, and they're in my backyard, I mean, I'm going to... I'm going to go to games. I'm going to have fun going to games. Trevor, I'm hoping you're joining me for games. No, when you're up here, hopefully we go to a game. Um, so I, I know it's a boring answer, but look, new jerseys, new jersey sponsor, new players. There's a lot to lot to look forward to for the Cavs. Hey, we're, we're pandering. We probably have, probably the majority of fans that are listening to this are probably Cavs fans, I would guess. So we're pandering to the Cavs fans. It's okay. Exactly. It happens, you know. And um, Knicks fans, apparently, because I asked a Knicks question. <laughs> Maybe Knicks fans, too. Um, but let, let's move to the West, Noah. Uh, you have two teams in the West. Who who's on your watch list? Who who are you like? I'm going out of my way. I have to watch this team. They're on TNT tonight. I have to watch them. So first off, I just want to let it be known. Besides I, the Hornets, I, I I have League Pass, so I can watch any team I want, whenever I want. I'm going to be watching the Warriors and the Lakers this year. The Lakers, obviously, because they have the second best player of all time, and he's going to pass Kareem. And scoring this year, and he is just must-watch TV. And, you know, they have the comedy factor trying to figure everything else out. And the Warriors are the Warriors. I mean, they're just – every time they play, it's just – it's fantastic basketball. It's fantastic ball movement. I mean, it just, it, it, it's, just, it's just beautiful to watch. Absolutely. So I actually have five teams written down. I'm not gonna, I don't need to say them all. But, like, the West just has so many teams that I want to watch. Um, but the number one team for me is New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and there's really two words that can explain it. And the two words are Zion Williamson. I mean, we haven't, we didn't get to see him play last year. Really? He was hurt. He's without an injury. It made me very sad. I might've, uh, cried for a couple hours when I found out the news. Uh, no, that's a joke, but, um, I'm very excited to watch the Pelicans this year. They brought in CJ, uh, you know, around the trade deadline. Another guy I really like, uh, from Canton, Ohio, shout out, uh, to Canton Glen Oak high school and CJ McCollum. Uh, Brandon Ingram, obviously, he's come into his own. Really good offensive player. Um, and I just am super excited to watch this team. I mean, they have other young guys, too, like Trey Murphy, uh, Kara Lewis. Like, I think that's going to be a really fun team. The other one that I'm going with in the West, I wanted to go—I I didn't just want to pick, like, two teams that are—well, uh, I guess the Pelicans were the eight seed. But anyway, I wanted to pick a team a little bit of a deeper cut. I'm going with the Houston Rockets. Now, that might shock some people listening. Why would you say the Houston Rockets? They suck. 
Well, the Houston Rockets, I think, are going to be a very fun team because they have Jabari Smith. They just drafted him, a player who I really loved watching at Auburn last year. He was awesome. I think his defensive presence uh, on this team is going to show itself pretty, pretty like immediately, I would say. And then Jalen Green, I mean, very fun offensive player. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and averages, you know, 24, maybe 25 points a game. Even if the Rockets only win, you know, 25, 26 games, I think they're going to be fun at least maybe until January. I don't know. Um, <laughs> at least for the first couple months of the year. We'll see what goes on with the with the NBA tank fest. Obviously, you got a few generational, you could say, prospects, uh, potentially. So um, I think the Rockets are going to be very fun as well. Um, but yeah, those are kind of my two teams in the West. Um, Noah, any, any kind of comments on my teams? Um, uh, and then we'll get to our last couple segments here. Um, I agree 100%. Pelicans are going to be a very fun team to watch. You're adding, you know, that core with CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram did very well. Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, and Herbert Jones are a big part of that core. I personally am a big fan of Herbert Jones. And like you said, they're adding Zion Williamson, who when on the court has proven that he's absolutely dominant. It's just a matter of the when he's on the court. Um, if he's able to stay on the court, everything should be all right. And, um, you know, they should be very intriguing. It's also going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Timberwolves are able to put things together um, with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns kind of following in that footprint that uh, Cleveland was doing with the two bigs. The only difference is Carl Anthony Towns is a big negative on defense while you have a perennial all-defensive player of the year candidate in Rudy Gobert. And um, anytime Damian Lillard's healthy, he's must-watch TV. He is he's, um, He's a perennial all-star caliber talent. He's sensational. He um, and Maybe this is the year Portland can finally break through. I'd love to see that. I love Damian Lillard, and I'm definitely going to try and watch some Portland Trailblazer basketball this year. I agree. Portland was one of my other teams um, that I was going to think about mentioning as well. I also had the Grizzlies and Nuggets. We talked about the Nuggets a little bit, the Grizzlies, for obvious reasons. They have John Morant. They have a lot of you know, other guys, Desmond Bain, etc. They're fun as well. Uh, but... I kind of wanted to move into, you know, looking at the MVP numbers um, and go through and maybe make uh, a pick here. I'm looking at the odds, just going down the line. Luka Doncic is the favorite, um, followed by Joel Embiid, Giannis, Kevin Durant, and Jokic. Uh, that kind of runs at the top five. Uh, if you want to go six through ten, you have Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, John Morant, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. Um, you know, I think that would be Brandon's pick at plus 1800. So you can get good value on that one, Brandon. Um, but I guess, you know, Noah, when you kind of look, you know, at these odds, um, what are you kind of thinking? I mean, I guess what stands out to you and, and who do you think will win the MVP? I'm going to go with, uh, with Steph Curry. I think that he, um, I think after the finals MVP this year, I think that he, um, he really has a chance to kind of cement and move himself into the top five of all time category and into the, the um, in, into the winning argument of the best point guard of all time. I can't state this enough. That finals MVP legit cemented the fact that Steph Curry is a top 10 player of all time. And he is a lock as the number two point guard of all time behind, behind the great Magic Johnson. If Steph Curry goes out and wins either another MVP or another title with another finals MVP, in my opinion, that would cement him as the best point guard of all time. And with that, a top five 
player of all time. And again, if Steph Curry is able to go out and do that, get five rings in nine years, I mean, this, as as great and as generational as LeBron is, this will be known as Steph Curry's generation. Based off the fact that he simply, he simply got the job done. And LeBron got it done in Miami twice. He got it done in Cleveland once, and he got it done in Los Angeles. Nothing will ever beat LeBron's 2016 finals. Greatest playoff series of all time. However, Steph Curry didn't need to to go team up with two other guys to go win a title. Kevin Durant went to Steph Curry to win. Kevin Durant leaves. The Warriors are hurt for two years. Steph Curry leads them back to the promised land. And don't forget that Steph Curry should have won that finals MVP in 2018. Not that it bothers me, but it should have been him. (laughs) So you're, so you're telling me that Steph Curry could potentially pass Mario Chalmers as the greatest point guard of all time? That's what you're telling me now? <laughs> it, it's going to be tough, but it can happen. <laughs> all right. Um, so, you know, you talked about one player that you think could enter, like, a top five all-time argument. And I think there's a player that actually has a better chance of doing that. Uh, and his name is Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he's my MVP pick. Um, I think the Milwaukee Bucks have a real shot. Of, of getting the one seat. I mean, they're either going to be, they're going to be definitely top three. I mean, they always are, um, you know, obviously health's always a big factor, but they're pretty much guaranteed to be top two, top three. And, you know, don't get me wrong. The Warriors probably are too, but um, you know, Giannis finished, I think it was third in MVP voting this past year. I thought he should have finished second above Joel Embiid personally, but um, I think this year with Giannis, the numbers he puts up year in year out, he's the best player in the world. I think he's going to do it again, you know, another 30, 12, 7 uh, on like probably 56% shooting. And if they get a one seed or even a two seed, I think there's a very good chance that's going to be enough. I mean, you know, you look at like a lot of the the best players that we've seen um, over the years, they usually get, you know, they usually can get, you know, three or four MVPs. I mean, LeBron, Michael Jordan, not that Giannis is going to reach that level, but he has two now. Um, him getting a third, I think, will be appropriate, considering the fact that Giannis, to me, I, I mean, I think Giannis is is going to be the player of this kind of era. I mean, as we're kind of uh, moving forward, I think he's the best player in the NBA right now. And he's my pick for the MVP. I mean, you look at other guys, I was playing around with, I was thinking about Luka. Um, I just don't think Dallas is going to be good enough. Like, I could see Luka putting up some crazy numbers, but I think Dallas might be like the six or seven seed. I mean, uh, with all those great teams in the West, it's going to be tough for him. Embiid, obviously, you know, he, he wants it really bad. Could this finally be the year? I don't think so. I don't think Embiid's going to get it. So my pick is going to be Giannis. Um, any other odds here? I'm just trying to look down and see if there's any other good value. I mean, we got John Moran at plus 1400. That's not terrible. Kawhi Leonard at plus 1800. That's interesting, but he's got to play enough games. Zion plus 2000. Uh, very interesting. So that's kind of my thought on MVP. Um, Brandon, I think, I think I don't even have to ask you, your pick is LeBron, right? For MVP, even though LeBron he's James. I don't care if he's minus 1000 LeBron James. Okay. So LeBron James is Brandon's pick. All right. So those are our picks for MVP. Um, I guess to wrap it up, uh, we should do some finals predictions. I mean, I kind of hinted at mine. Um, I'm not going to, again, it might be a little bit of a boring pick, but I am going to pick the Milwaukee Bucks uh, to return to the NBA Finals. They're going to come out of the East. It will be tough. I think the Sixers will be a good challenger. Boston as well. Uh, Maybe even Miami or Brooklyn. 
if they bring it all together, but I think Milwaukee will uh, take it in the East, bring Chris Middleton back. I think they'll ultimately get it done. And in the West, I think the Warriors will return to the finals. They'll have enough, I think, from top to bottom. They're slightly better than the Clippers. I have more trust in them, um, although it will be very close. And I have the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA championship um, over the Golden State Warriors. I don't know how many games, but I think it's going to be a very good finals if we get it, and I think the Bucks are going to take it. Uh, so, Noah, what, what do you think? I'm going to give you my Western Conference Finals, the two teams that I like out of the West, and I'll give you my two teams I like out of the East because the same thing I said last year, the West, the NBA is in a, a great, great spot. When Brandon and I were in high school, he would always say how the NBA is so predictable, how it's so boring, and for a while looking back on it, he was right. But right now, mm-hmm. I think the NBA – is in an absolute incredible position because that's the thing there. There's no big threes. There's no, you know, big superstars teaming up, right? It is so open. It's so wide open out of the West. I think it's going to be the Warriors or I think it's going to be the Clippers out of the East. I like, I actually like three teams. I like the Bucks, the Sixers, and Celtics. The Celtics whole season is depending on how, how well everything goes with Joe Mazzola and how well he's able to kind of bring that group together. It's the same core. They're a little bit deeper. But again, it's it goes beyond that. And, and some can argue that coaching isn't that much in the NBA. But at that level, like, players got to buy into the coach. And, and the coach has got to be able to make adjustments, right? That's not the players that make those adjustments. It's the coach seeing stuff on film during the games and the coach seeing stuff with his own eyes, right? So how well can Mazzola bring that group together? Because he's going against – Two Hall of Famer, two future Hall of Famers, and Doc Rivers and Mike Budenholzer, and then you got two Hall of Famers and Ty Lue and Steph Kerr and Steve Kerr going at it on the other side. So I think one of those, if you pick any of those five teams to win the title, I think those are great, great picks. But um, like you mentioned, Dallas, they're a team I would not be surprised to see simply because for you know seventy-five out of eighty-two games in the regular season, they're going to have the best player on the court. Yeah, absolutely. I think Luca could have an absolute uh, terror of a season. And the Celtics thing, you know, I, I didn't get to talk about them a ton, but I really do think the the coaching change can, you know, uh, really affect this team. I mean, Udoka, I mean, it can't be understated how great of a coaching job he did last season. I mean, taking that team, I mean, I think the season before they were like a seven seed, um, I believe, uh, the season before with Brad Stevens. So I think coaching definitely matters a lot. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they do because on paper they do still have a really good roster. They, I mean, they, I think they got better. They added Malcolm Brogdon. So uh, it will be interesting to see. Um, I guess anything else, Noah, that you wanted to mention? And then, uh, Brennan, if you have any questions, uh, we can kind of wrap it up. No, I'm good. I mean, this, I'm, this, it's the best time of the year, and I'm, I'm so excited for um... – for football to be back it is it's the best time of the year i'm so excited basketball. i love, yeah, I love I, basketball i can't talk i love basketball <laughs> <laughs> he's mesmerized by basketball look i i think we'll wrap it up there noah thank you so much as always i feel like this is our routine at this point you come on for the start of the nba season and hopefully we can cement that for you know many times to come um thank you so much for being on Noah. is there anything you want to shout out say before before we head out here um, yeah, League of Legends, I am a dynasty. Um, 
Okay, if, Thursday if, if night yeah, there's football, gonna be <laughs> terrible. And yeah, hold on, you gotta explain your first comment, Noah, because Trevor doesn't know what you're talking about. Most of the viewers are not gonna know uh, what you're talking about. I want to be shrouded in mystery. I want all of y'all running around like <laughs> pigs in a barnyard trying to figure out what I'm talking about. All right, I'll, if that's what you want, I'll leave it at that. I leave won't it comment because I I, I, I do know what you're talking about. But look, Noah, thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's gonna be a very long podcast episode, but that is okay because we got great content here. Thank you so much, Noah. Uh, we'll send it back to to the the trio, which is just myself, Trevor, and and Ben. But thanks again, Noah. Happy to be here. All right. Uh, so that of course that was an interview with Noah, Trevor. I I love that man. He he is so fun on the podcast. He's I love hearing you two talk. Um, and it, I mean, it was such a treat, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we talked for, what was it? I don't know, 50, 50-ish minutes. We could have talked for 50, two hours. 53 minutes and seven seconds on the dot. Yeah, we, and we could have talked for two hours at least. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to stop once you start talking about NBA with Noah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's so entertaining to hear what you guys have to say. Um, ben, I'm sure you're going to go back and listen, and you're, you're going to have a, a great time listening uh, for sure. Um, but look, let's let's get to the NFL here. Our last topic on the day, kind of a weird podcast. We didn't really have a formal small talk show. We're hitting everything, all right. We're, we're hitting everything. Um, so let's go over the the past week a little bit in the NFL. Um, some key takeaways. Takeaway number one: Don't put the Colts and Broncos in prime time ever again. Um, they aren't allowed. Um, but besides that, Ben, let's go to you. Any takeaways that you had from this week? I mean, again, the. Broncos are still trash. I, I don't want to forget they haven't played a game since the last time we said that, but I, I don't want people to forget that they are trash and Russell Wilson is a fraud. Um, I mean, I, I guess I could be the guy that says the New York Giants like aren't terrible, but I still am like, I don't really know. I mean, da- Daniel Jones is still their quarterback, so yeah, they're 4-1, and one, but it's like, ah, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, yeah, they beat the Packers, but... Are the Packers that great? I don't know. I'm I'm still very oh, hesitant. I wonder. I wonder Packers. who said the Packers weren't that great. Well, I'm saying you like know? they're not. They're obviously not terrible. I think they're still a top ten no. team. But like, um, I just I'm still not a believer in the Giants. But it is what it is. The Bills did exactly what I wanted them to do. I I pleaded and I hoped that they would just just destroy the hopes and the dreams of any Steelers fan. And that's exactly what they did. Um, Josh Allen absolutely destroyed them, and it was it was fantastic in every way. Um, shout out to, to the Cleveland Browns being the Cleveland Browns doing what they do best. I don't have to yes. go any further than that. Uh, and, then, and then the last takeaway, I guess, is the fact that the ja- the Jags are frauds. Let's not forget that the Jags are still the Jags. They they will always still be the Jags. I, you know, um, you can you can praise Trevor Lawrence all you want. You can tell me that they're a great team, but when it really comes down to it, they're still the Jags. They're still going to be mediocre at best um, until they prove me wrong, and they haven't proved me wrong yet. So I'm going to continue to, to be on the on the uh, the side of I am not a believer in the Jaguars. So um, I'm glad that that they. Every once in a while, they have to humble people that are that are very high on them and that maybe say that they are great. Um, mm-hmm. And them losing mm-hmm. to the Texans last week, I think, absolutely brought some people down back back to reality here yeah. with, the, with the Jags. Yeah, I don't know who would have that take. That'd be wild. Whoever did that, what a dumb thing to say. Um, couldn't be me. But um, yeah, Ben, I feel like you hit a lot of a lot of good things here. I'll tell you this: the the Giants they got a hard game coming up today against the Ravens uh, in New York on the worst field of all time. Where like statistically the most injuries happen, so that seems like a perfect storm for a Giants win. Let's not forget uh, about the Commanders <laughs> field, Brandon. The Commanders field's pretty bad too. It, it also the structure is like falls on people like Jalen. Yeah, you know the Commanders. Well, that's more the stadium than the field. I'm talking about the actual well, like, field. You want me to go into the details of the of the? There's one spot on the Commanders field where you had like Chase Young tears ACL, Joe Burrow tears ACL. 
the Joe Theismann injury happened. It's all in like the same part of the field. Oh, is it really? Yeah, oh, but geez. I don't want to talk about it because it's bad memories. But but yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Well, I mean, it's, also, it's... just anytime the Ravens play on any field, you're going to tell me that it's bad because they always get hurt on any field. Well, unfortunately, they did play in New York twice this year, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, rough one. Rough rough roll of the dice there. Trevor, any, any major takeaways we had from last week before we kind of move forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think the Giants piece is really interesting because I think, um, number one, I mean, Brian Daybaugh has done a fabulous job uh, coaching this Giants team up. I mean, the way that they're able to kind of uh, you know, you know, a lot of these wins, they're never really convincing, but they're able to find a way to win a lot of these games. And I think that's a testament to the coaching they have. Um, so the Giants, while I don't think anyone is, is talking about them as some like really good team or anything, they're not. But the, uh, when you have really solid coaching, when you don't make a ton of mistakes, um, you can, you know, you can pull some games out and you could be a decent team. And I think the Giants are, you know, I would say maybe an average team, I guess you could say. They're not, they're not terrible. So I think it's really interesting to see what the Giants have done. Um, I guess with the uh, Chiefs-Raiders game we saw last Monday night, the, Ch- the Raiders are now 1-4. and four. And as I kind of told you guys, I think the Raiders have to be like the greatest 1-4 team of all time. I really believe that. I mean, looking at their schedule so far and the games they have played, I mean, the Chargers game, you could easily flip like maybe one play and uh, the result goes the other way. They've had, obviously, the game against the Chiefs, very close. Um, game against the Titans, I don't really know what happened there. That wasn't the best showing, but you look at the Raiders uh, and the tough schedule they had in their first five games, I would say, I don't think they're too bad. Now, in terms of making the playoffs, obviously, you have to have a good enough record to get in, and I think when you start 1-4, and four, it's a pretty big you know climb back to get there. So I think the Raiders, you know, as they are as a team, I think they're pretty solid, but it's going to be tough for them to climb back into the playoffs. Um, so that's interesting. I think those are my main takeaways uh, from last week. Um, yeah, you know, it's another another very interesting week. I guess I got to say the Patriots, uh, I'm not going to sit up here and say they're good, but they're starting I, I, to I get would. it together a little bit. They're, they're starting would, to bring some have, things together. They might have the best defense in, in the league. I mean, their, their defense is really, really darn good I mean, they gave the ravens a run for their money and you know what's interesting is bailey zappy might be just as good as jones as mac jones it's possible like i don't i i don't know i mean 29 nothing win against any nfl team is an insanely impressive scoreline i mean insanely impressive so i'm i'm very impressed with the patriots they got a big game today against the browns and speaking of today Let's get into some of the games we're excited about today. Obviously, we have some big hitters happening later today and tonight that I know we want to talk about. Besides those two games, is there anything else you guys want to mention specifically? I will say we did gloss over last Sunday night's game. I don't, Ben, I'm just randomly between you two. Ben, do you remember what happened last Sunday night? Oh, I I remember now, but I I genuinely had to think about it. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. It's not, <laughs> not a big deal. I mean, if right, we'll when it comes down we'll to it, on. like it. It should have been. It should have been not as close as it was. I mean, the Ravens should have destroyed them. So honestly, it's embarrassing that the Ravens even kept it close because the yeah, Bengals the Ravens, the Ravens didn't offense. play well. The Bengals just yeah. don't have an offense. But um, I actually did forget. I seriously, I was like, what, what game was it? Was that the Chiefs game? No, that was Monday night. <laughs> um, yeah, I just completely erased <laughs> that game. From I'm, I'm my just memory. pulling your we're, leg a little. We're, mov- we're moving forward. Oh, yeah, we'll move on. Was... We'll move on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It was a good I, game. I it was close. It I was. Mean, it actually was a good game in terms a, of it like was an it entertaining was close. game. Yeah. I was just yeah. gonna say, for me, the biggest takeaway was coaching. Like John Harbaugh is without a doubt a top yeah. five, top six coach. Zach Taylor, I think, is pretty terrible. Like I know he had a great season hey, last I, year, but like, but would you agree? Would I just, you agree that I don't, Zach Taylor's I don't not know, a good man. coach? 
Or are you just kind of like, I don't know yet? No, I mean, I think it's from the first year people knew he wasn't very good. But last year, like, again, winning minimizes and covers up a lot of issues. So when you're winning, it's like, who cares? And now that they're not winning this year, it's like, all right, we need to kind of readdress this issue that we're having, which is he's not a good play caller. Um, and, and, you know, he, you think- he, he gives the argument of, well, it's a team effort. There's three or four of us that are calling every play, which I don't believe for a second. I think a lot of this is on Zach Taylor. Well, I, um, I'm a big proponent, too. No head coach should be calling plays. I agree. There's, there's no head coaches that should be calling plays. Well, so, Ben, I have another question real quick. I promise I won't talk too much about the Bengals. Do you think Burrow was overhyped from last year as well? Um, Not saying that he isn't good. I still think Burrow's very, very good. But I feel like we were talking like he was like a top five quarterback in the league towards the end of the year well um, i definitely passed no that. i mean i, I even said like i even said at the end like do you like would you say he's better than lamar at this point in his career um like that's one conversation we had where i even said i was like i i'd pick joe i again i hate to be that guy but it's so hard because they're so different like if we're just talking about standing in the pocket and throwing the ball then yes but if we're talking i guess a complete player at this point this year no i would say lamar's better i mean his stats are better um but no i mean if you look at if you still look at quarterbacks like Last year we were saying Joe Burrow is a top five quarterback. I'd still say he's a top seven quarterback this year. It's not like he's playing terribly. Um, so no, I don't think we were like overhyping him or anything. Again, it's hard okay. to know anything after two years of a quarterback. But right, and obviously we were talking like on a high, like they went, they were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right, I think that was a good analysis. Let's move on because I don't want to. We got plenty to talk about. Um, any games besides the two big hitters at night? Uh, but I guess we'll start with you, Ben. That you want to talk about uh, during the day games. Um, no. Well, frankly, if you don't have... All right, just Not talk about really. the two big boys. Talk about well, the two big Well, I'm just saying, like, I mean, I, this is the first time I've looked at, like, the slate here, and it's like, I guess Patriots-Browns, like, isn't a bad game, because I think they're both kind of just, like, at this point, middle-of-the-pack teams. Um, I think that'll be a really good game. That's the one I was going to mention. I think it's going to be very telling for both of them. Other than that, honestly, uh, like, I don't care about any of these games except for... <laughs> the two night games this week like if i'm being completely honest like i just don't care about i like the Bengals, but the rest of the games i'm just like hey, i don't really care not a lot of all right fair enough so let's let's just go to the night games ben we, we got bills chiefs well i guess it's not a night game but later in the afternoon yeah bills chiefs uh bills are favored by uh two and a half it's in kansas city what do you think about this game what are we gonna get from this do you think it'll be high scoring you think the defenses prevail a little bit i mean i think I, for being honest, I think the expectations here are that we're gonna it's gonna be as good as it was last year, and I think we're gonna be disappointed in some way. Um, maybe that's just me being negative. It'll it should be a good game, but it's not gonna be what it was last year. I mean, the stakes are not as high. I would like to see these two teams play in like Buffalo every once in a while. I feel like they're always freaking playing in Kansas City. Um, I think if they're they're playing in Buffalo, it'd be really really cool. But Kansas City is a cool atmosphere. No, I I think they're both coming off of impressive wins. Like you said, I mean, the Patriots beat the Lions 29 nothing last week and you said that's always impressive. Well, the the Bills beat the Steelers like 38 to 3. Super um, impressive. And then obviously the Chiefs looked fantastic and Travis Kelsey single-handedly carried my fantasy team last week. So, they're both coming off of fantastic weeks. They're both 4 and 1. Um, definitely up to this point the most hyped up and anticipated regular season game up. I mean, we're only 6 weeks in, but definitely the most one or the you know, the most anticipated one so far. Um, I do think it'll be high scoring. I just think because of what we've seen from these two teams this year, I think it'll be hard for either defense to keep, you know, their the team that they're playing to 20 points or less. So I would expect, yeah, I would expect this game to be in the high 20s or, or low 30s, in my opinion. Um, but it's exciting. I, I wish it was a night game, but, I mean, I'll take a, I guess I'll take a 425 slot. Unfortunately, I almost guarantee you that means I have to listen to, to Tony Romo talk about this game and act like he knows what he's talking about when really he doesn't. But um, it is what it is. 
I was following, there was some crazy thing you said at the end. I was following up until that point. I just, I blanked, you know, blacked out there for a second. Uh, this game's going to be great. I'm so excited for Bills Chiefs. Uh, the Bills defense is a little bit banged up. Um, but I also think the Bills are slightly better than the Chiefs. So I, I expect a high scoring, close game. Um, and I, I'm going to, I'm still on team, you know, Buffalo. Buffalo travels well. I saw that this year where I went to the Ravens Bills game. Uh, I think there was like 40% of the stadium or something was Bills fans. It seemed like it was almost a home game for them. Uh, they definitely played off that energy. Um, so I got I got the Bills. I I, I think they're gonna they're gonna pull this one out. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, I mean this this one's really interesting. I think I agree that it's gonna be pretty high scoring and then it'll be a close game. Um, but the, the thing that's kind of strange to me is this game is in Kansas City. It's at Arrowhead, and Buffalo is favored by two and a half points. I I don't think that's correct. I mean Buffalo could totally win. I you know they totally could, but it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me that for the Chiefs to really ever be. An, an underdog at home I just I just like that that thought of like the Chiefs at home and being underdogs doesn't really compute in my head so I think they should be favored and I would pick the Chiefs today but I think it will really be close and I think it's gonna you know we'll, we'll see I mean it's gonna come down to how how well can the Chiefs run the ball against this Bills defense we've seen them have a lot of success in past weeks obviously against the Bucks their their running game had a lot of success so that's what I'm looking for I'm really interested to see how much success uh, the Chiefs running game can have against uh, this Bills defense. Yeah, it, it's going to be super interesting of a game. Of course, we also have the night game. Cowboys-Eagles 4-1 versus the only 5-0 team at home. Um, you would think the Eagles are favorite. Cowboys playing with Cooper Rush, of course. Kaelin Hurts has been playing fabulous football this entire year. Um, they have an amazing, amazing run attack with him and Miles Sanders. Um, I, I definitely got the Eagles in this one. I don't even think it'll be that close. I think the Cowboys are slight frauds. I do think they're good and their defense is solid. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying I think they're a little bit overhyped. I got the Eagles taking this by 10 points. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for this Eagles performance. I'm down with the Eagles being good, although their fans are a little bit annoying. Um, as long as Tom Brady doesn't make the Super Bowl, I'm cool with it. So <laughs> anyone else can make it and I'll be happy. Trevor, what do you think about Cowboys-Eagles? Yeah, so this is I'm I'm very much looking forward to this game. I'm super excited for it because this Cowboys defense. I mean, I remember last year when like there were some numbers that were pointing to like, oh, well, the Cowboys defense is really good. They get all these turnovers, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know if the Cowboys defense is all that great, um, or at least I I don't know if it's as great as people are saying. I still thought it was pretty good. This year, I think their defense is elite. I think their defense is legitimately very very good, and it's all led by Michael Parsons, who in my opinion. I think it's probably got to be the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, Micah Parsons has been absolutely incredible. I mean, watching him, I know I watched him against the Bucks when he was just, seemed like every play he was he was close to getting to Tom Brady, and he was always, it's just like he's everywhere on the field, and it's really crazy that he's so young. I think, what is this, his second year in the league, and Micah Parsons is always already this good, um, but he's fantastic, and I think that Cowboys defense could give Jalen Hurts and the Eagles a lot of trouble. Um, now, obviously, you have to rely on Cooper Rush. I mean, this is a Sunday night game. You have Cooper Rush back there. Can he uh, take them to beat the Eagles? It's a tough task. But I think if the Cowboys defense is able to kind of make the game uh, more of a mess, then they're going to have a chance. Uh, you know, if they can get it to like a lower scoring game, maybe like a, you know, 20 to 17 type of thing, then uh, they have a chance to win it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ben, Cowboys, Eagles, wrap up our uh, little preview for today. My only hope for this game 
I hate the Cowboys. I think that's very clear. But I, I want them to win by like 30 because then I seriously think you have to question, should we seriously like start Dak Prescott when he comes back? So or should we just I saw someone tweet. I saw I, that, someone that's tweet, my best case like, scenario because that is yeah. that is like just a nightmare for Cowboys fans. So I really hope Cooper Rush throws for like four touchdowns and they win by like double digits. Because then I think it's like a genuine question. Like, do you take the person that might be the better athlete and probably the better quarterback overall? Or do you stick with the hot hand? And I'm a big believer in, in any sport that you stick with the hot hand. What? Why would you mess up something that is rolling as well as it is? So I, I really hope that he looks great and they win. I think that that'd be such a nightmare for Jerry Jones and that organization to, to, to try to figure out. Because either way, you're going to have people upset with the, the uh, decision that you would make. Yeah, I saw someone tweet, like, you know, up until this point, like, there's really no question Dak's going to come back and play. But if they beat the Eagles in Philadelphia, I think you, you definitely have uh, uh, an intense debate in that front office about what you're going to do. Okay, well, exciting games, uh, and, you know, we're all looking forward to them. Um, Trevor, we have an interesting little segment where we're going to start with the NFL. Why don't you explain to the viewers kind of how it's going to go? Yeah, absolutely. So, essentially, it's kind of like a segment of, like, there are certain teams that they've been so bad through the first couple weeks, and it's essentially like, we, you know, we've seen enough. We've seen enough of these teams. We know for sure they're not making the playoffs, and we're going to cross them off. You know, we're going to cross them off. They're out. They're not making the playoffs. And today we are going to cross up four teams. Now, the catch is we have to come to an agreement. Ben, Brennan, and I have to come to an agreement on these four teams. And every week after this week, we're going to cross off one additional team so that at the end of the season, week 18, before the final Sunday, we cross off the 16th team. Uh, we're not going to cross off all eight, all 18 potential teams that won't make the playoffs. We're going to cross off 16 teams, give us a margin of error of two, and our goal is to to be perfect. You know, we don't want to cross off any team that ends up making the playoffs. Um, not that we have a punishment for this. I guess we could have one, but I don't think you guys want to do that. Um, but yeah, basically, we're, we're trying to stay perfect. We don't want to cross off any playoff teams. All right, so yeah, we'll give ourselves the margin of error. I feel like that's fair. So today we're doing four teams. Uh, every other week it'll be one. Um, so should I, should I should I say the four teams that we discussed it, or how do you how do you want this to go? So through? so lay out if you so lay out or I can lay out actually. I'll, here here's what I'll do. I'll lay out possible options, and then from there, Brandon, you can discuss which four you think, and then from there we okay. can go to Ben, and then we can uh, okay. Just, you know, come I, to our I said resolution. this before the podcast, but I'm gonna put it out on the pod now too. I feel like there's three that I definitely would put in the bottom. And there's one that I, I think is probably the fourth worst, but there could be some debate around it. Right. So so I'm just going to go like through each division. AFC East, I don't think there's any team we can cross off yet. Um, AFC North, I think the Steelers certainly should be in this conversation, so we'll put the Steelers in. Um, the a- AFC South, I think, is tricky because it's not a great division, but I think the Texans have been bad enough. They're in the conversation. Do, do we think there's any other team that should be in this conversation from the AFC South? Because I, I don't think so. Really? No. No. Okay. No. So Steelers, Texans, AFC West. Um, I mean, I guess we can include the Raiders due to the fact that they're one and four. Uh, so I'll just throw them in there. They're one and four. They're in a tough division. Uh, we go to the NFC. We have the Commanders. They're two and four, worst in division. We should definitely throw them in there. I think the Bears and Lions in the North certainly throw both those teams in there. AFC South, the Panthers are the worst. They're one and four. We could throw them in there. And then the NFC West is a very close division. Uh, no team is really pulling away, so I don't really want to put any of those teams in contention. So that yeah. leaves us with uh, the Steelers, the Texans, the Raiders, the Commanders, the Bears, the Lions, the Panthers, 
Um, and that is it. So that's seven teams. Now, I think we probably yeah. all agree that we should uh, take the Raiders out, right? Do you agree with that, Brandon? I, I definitely don't think the Raiders are in the bottom four. I One and four is a, a misleading record. Let's put it this way. They have a better point differential than the Miami Dolphins. Um, yes. So, and the Miami Dolphins are, are three and two. So, not, not, not doing that at all. Not in the slightest bit. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, go ahead. What do you think the four teams should be, Brandon? So, I have three for sure. I feel like the Steelers and Panthers are the two worst teams. They're bottom of the barrel. I think the Bears are the next worst team. Those three teams, I feel I feel like we can agree those are three. Like, right? Like, can, can, can we put those three down? Yes. Is anyone opposed? No, then I think we, that's fine. I think I, I, I approve. I agree. So, I, I feel like those three are for sure. The other one, which I, I do think is the fourth, but I think we have a debate to be had here. Um, I would say the Texans are the next worst. Um, however, there's sometimes that they show some, like, allotted amount of promise and have, like, some ability to score. They don't have a terrible running attack, um, and I, I feel like they're not horrendous. The Commanders are also solid um, as an option for that fourth spot, but I think for me personally, I'm putting the Texans in there. I, I got the Texans as the fourth worst team. So, and I, 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 yeah. I feel like that's my solid four. So Ben, what do you think about this then? I agree. I, I would. I'd put the Texans. I'd put them in there. I'd cross them off before I cross off the Bears. I mean, I'm just looking at the Texans like schedule. They got to play the Raiders today in Las Vegas. That's probably a no. Just if the Raiders play as well as they did last week, that's going to be a no for the Texans. Got to play the Titans twice. I mean, that's whatever. They might split that. Then they got to play the Eagles. That's probably no. They got to play at the New York Giants. Who? Who knows? That's probably no. They still got to play the Browns this year. They still got to play the Cowboys this year. They still got to play the Chiefs this year. I just think, it, I mean, they've already lost three games. They're running out of games that they can lose. And I see a lot of probable L's on their schedule moving forward. So I, I would, I'm very confident that we can cross them off, whether that's, again, third or fourth team cross off, whatever. I, I think it, it's pretty likely that they're not making the playoffs. So I, I kind of want to make a case for the Texans, right? Because you look at the Texans, they just beat the Jaguars, who Brandon and I, we think the Jaguars are pretty good. They held them to six points. They beat them 13-6. to six. The week before, they played the Chargers pretty tough. They only lost by 10 points. Yeah. The Chargers, I think, I, I think it's a playoff team. I think maybe we all agree it might be a playoff team. Um, the Texans I, I actually close. don't think the Chargers – I don't think the Chargers are – they have a lot of long-term injuries that are big. I think they're kind of – I'm a little down on them. Right. But they, they played the Chargers close in that game. They only lost to them by 10 points. So the way I'm looking at it as the way the Texans have played the last two weeks – compared to the way the Commanders have been playing over the last couple weeks, I think the Commanders are a worse team. And additionally, if you look at their division, the AFC, the NFC East is definitively a better division than the AFC South, to where I could see a very rare scenario where the Texans could win their division just because the other three teams are not they're you know they're average at best whereas the eagles are really good i think brandon you think they're like one of maybe the best team in football um you have the cowboys who are looking really good and the giants are four and one so i don't see any path like i'm I'm just trying to figure out like what's the path for washington i mean yeah they you know one of their wins is against the bears their other one was against the jags but that was week one week one so long ago now i think the commanders are worse and i i i would i feel more comfortable with crossing off the commanders just because like I don't see the path in with the division that they're in. Here's here's the only the main argument I have. I think you make all great points, but both teams have played the Bears in Chicago, one lost and one beat them, and it's as simple as that. If you look at the Texans, 
Um, ten points is not really a close game in the NFL, to be honest. Two possessions is not that close. Um, against the Chargers team, the Texans were at home, and I don't even think that Chargers team is that dominant. Um, if they played week one, a little bit of a different story, but week three, uh, or four, excuse me, not as dominant. Uh, the Texans have also tied the Colts at home, not really an impressive result, and lost to the Broncos and Bills, um, while all scoring under 20 points or under in both of those games, really unimpressive results. The Commanders just beat the Bears, so for that reason, considering they played the same team, pretty, I mean, two weeks apart is not that long. Um, I, I can't, I can't, I can't give it to the, the Commanders. Commanders are the next worst team. They are. They're going to be next week's team, probably. Uh, but I, I feel more comfortable uh, putting the Texans into that fourth spot. Well, Ben, you're going to be the deciding did vote I, here. Bears or Texans? Yeah, did I convince you, Ben? Just look at the, the divisions. The division, that's really the point here. Look at the divisions that they're in. Neither one of these teams are winning their division. I think we're good on that. <laughs> All right. I'm, I've been all about real talk on this podcast, okay? I, I've never told a lie on this podcast. I didn't listen to a single thing that either one of you just said. I was texting. <laughs> I'm very sorry. So we're going to stick with the Texans. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds think, good to me. I'm, 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 I'm just being completely honest. He Somebody was texting side. me about the Bengals. I was texting about the Bengals with a friend. I have not listened to a single thing in the oh, last three my. minutes. I'm just going to be completely yeah, honest. All right. So next week, Trevor, here's what I'm, here's what I'm hearing. <laughs> we're putting the Bengals next. We're, we're doing the Bengals next. This yeah, is, Bengals thrive when, when nobody believes yeah. in them. Please, I, I would love for you to cross with the Bengals. Do it yeah, right now. Bengals. I think the Bengals play better when no one believes in them. So please do it. Well, unfortunately for them, a lot of people believe in them, and uh, I'm one of them. So, all right, I think we'll we'll wrap up the pod there for today. Very exciting pod. We had the interview with Noah. Uh, did a lot of good stuff. Um, of course, follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller. We have a brand new website. Um, the link is in the description. Um, go click that. Uh, go look up some of our other podcasts. We took a lot of time on that website. I think it looks pretty decent. Um, so yeah, go, go take a look at that. Yeah. Um, subscribe uh, to the podcast. And, oh, do, do we have yeah. an update on our bets? Um, real quick. Yeah, oh, I, I, gotcha. oh, I forgot. Yes, 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 yes. Do, I'm just going through the closing routine. Ben, Ben, I gotcha. what, what, you have, you have the stats. I do. I was paying attention that time. Um, hold on. Let me hit send on this text real quick. I'm not even kidding. All right. Um, so you, between you two, uh, you, well, you guys, what, who had Lion, the, the Brandon Lions, thinks the Lions. Panthers. Yeah. Brandon thinks no, the Lions think the, will, will oh, yeah, be better. Trevor's more of a believer in the Panthers. They're both one and four. They're both not great. I would put the advantage right now to Brandon though, because the Panthers are looking at a probable L today. They're playing at the Rams. It's probably and an they L. just fired their coach um, and, and Baker's now yeah. hurt. And, and the Lions no do not play today, so the Lions will not lose today. That's a guarantee, which is you can't say that very often. So. Um, both one and four, but I'd put maybe the advantage to still Brandon. I still think the Lions are probably the better team. I'll take I mean, my. Deal. I think we all agree, considering that we haven't crossed them off our list just yet. Um, myself and Trevor, Joe Burrow versus Tom Brady touchdown passes. Neither one has been great, if we're being honest. Burrow's got nine touchdown passes. Brady has seven. Um, I think if we're being honest, I think I'd be more surprised with that number from Brady because I mean I think we expected a lot of people to for Brady to continue what he did last year, which is put up unreasonable numbers considering his age. I think this year he's he's maybe the team's not as good. Obviously, again we've had the whole thing with his receivers, but um, he just hasn't looked that great, for being honest. And then myself and Brandon, Josh Allen versus Justin Herbert, touchdown passes. Josh Allen doing what Josh Allen does. He's got 14 touchdown passes. Um, he threw four last week, and Justin Herbert's sitting at 10. So um, a decent lead, but it's still very early. I think there's still a lot a lot of time for either one to, to fall apart in, in an ex, to an extent. So, um, again, we'll, we'll keep you updated on those, on those bets as we continue out uh, this season. I like where I'm standing, though, currently between both of you, if we're being honest. I do. Yeah, I think you're looking good, Ben. All right, well, now I'll actually wrap up the podcast formally. 
Um, yeah, go check out the website. Go subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Um, of course, go check out Coach Noah Barrison. Uh, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!